0: Welcome back in hour number three here on Monday, and it is time because it is Monday. It is the eight o'clock hour. It is time. Here we go. See, I got it. I figured it out now. of New Bedford Light, and uh, good morning, Jack. How are you? Good morning. And first of all, I'd like to announce that uh, you've been generous enough and gracious enough to agree to cover for me Thursday and Friday this week. Always glad to do the early morning shift, Tim.
2: I be- like that early morning audience.
0: My my travel plans changed, and I have to be there earlier than expected. So I can't I can't just leave after the show Thursday like I'd originally planned, but. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
2: So get, get your uh, conservative talking points ready, folks. Uh, the <laughs> liberal will be in the
0: house. Well, hey, I can tell you that, uh, you know, the, the the Jim Biden was a topic of discussion this morning and Hunter yeah. Biden. So be ready for all of that. Plus, you're going to have a lot more Trump stuff that's going to come out this yeah. week. So I heard, I heard Big John talking a little bit about that. You know, and actually
2: I, some of the, the Biden stuff does raise eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you just wonder. um I don't know if all of it is what they say it is, but but it does seem like they're into a lot of different money businesses, like, you know, capitalizing on their fame.
0: Listen, I want to see it investigated just as much as anybody else. You know, I want to know what's going on. But I'm also not gonna be quick to to say that there's yeah, I think sometimes know, fire where there's smoke.
2: People are making links that haven't been proven yet.
0: So speaking of, uh, of of links, one thing that has been going on in this ongoing saga of the Star Store is how much that the New Bedford Light team has come together to work on this. And uh, and Colin Hogan had a story th- last week about some of the numbers that you've been told and that uh, have been reported regarding the Star Store maintenance that was needed. And, and to your credit, Jack, you were saying for yourself, I don't see where these numbers apply. Yeah, so I
2: had written a column uh, maybe a month ago or so saying that I, I just didn't understand with the $75 million how it could go that expensive when I first started. Seventy-five in repairs is what they yeah, were saying the building needed. Deferred maintenance. And when I first started reporting on this in the in the early summer, the, the number that was going around was um, thirty million. And I just didn't see how it could escalate that quickly. Um, UMass Dartmouth had said the, the state's new green requirements were you know were making everything more expensive. But when I asked them to um, give me the um, studies that showed that it would be seventy-five million dollars, because I didn't want pie in the sky. Oh, how much would that cost? Oh, I bet that would cost about $75 million. It turns out that's exactly what it was. Uh, Colin went and got the actual estimates from the Division of Capital Asset Management from 2022. So they're not from a long time ago. And the 2022 estimates were $7 million. Breathtaking how, how, how big it is. But we wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. So we had um, Mark Champagne, the uh, facilities guy uh, for both the city and the school system, go through it. And he said that if you did all the bells and whistles, you know everything doing all this, everything you could possibly do, things that don't really need to be done right away, it might cost 17 million. So seventeen million is still a long way to, from 75 million. So then we went back to the university, and we said, Jeepers, where did you get this 75 million? Can you show us the study or, or, or the um, estimates that came in at 75 million dollars?" Well, big surprise, they could not. They said, well, it was kind of a conversation. It was a verbal conversation with DeCamp. So on the basis of a verbal conversation, which sounds like a, somewhat of a casual thing, the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth put out numbers to the wider community of Greater New Bedford as to why they had to leave the Star Store you know, it was on the $75 million worth of uh, work that it needed, which was just really smoke and mirrors. The other thing I think that proves this is that they had never you know, alerted either Senator Montigny or Mayor Mitchell that they had made a decision to absolutely leave two weeks before school began. So, you know, they they don't tell them because if they had told them, both of them, you think, would have tried to come up with a patchwork solution. Sure. Maybe maybe not a long-term solution, but, well, let's get this money to get you through this semester or or, or, or whatever while we try to work on a longer-range solution. They never told them, which to me just proves... Once again, that they want to get out. Senator, Senator Roderick said it two months ago: they don't want to be there. And you know, the, instead of just saying that we don't want, because that's not politically pal- palatable to say to the working class city beside the, this, the the middle class suburb that you're located in. Yeah, we're not really that into you. We don't we don't really want to have a downtown campus there. And that's what it really is.
0: And and. By the way, if the money was closer to the seven million or even to the seventeen million, you know, Senator Montigny was already working to get that money that it would need. He yes. was working to get them the funding to be able to make those repairs. Yeah.
2: He already had eight million dollars set aside for the HVAC system, which was one of the big ticket items, and he had another thirty million set as- that that he was willing to pass. That he said he was willing to pass if they just took it for a dollar. They finally, after many delays, you know, missing it by two years, finally. Agreed to take it for a dollar at the last moment, but they missed the deadline, and because they missed the deadline, which they knew, and they had a whole year to meet that deadline, it was a sixty-day deadline. Then Downey, Paul Downey, stepped in and said, "Oh no, this building still belongs to me because you missed the deadline." Now that can be litigated in court, but on the on these flimsy things, the university closed that school down two weeks before it was. It was, it, and I think it's just a major scandal, and 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 I think that. You know, they seem to think that they don't have to deal with the state senator from the region where they're located, that they don't have to deal with the mayor of New Bedford. And, you know, I, I, you know, I think they're wrong. They do have an ally in the president of the university system, Marty Meehan. And, you know, old Marty is a, is a, a deal-making politician from, from Lowell from way back. And, and, you know, that may be what's holding back. The governor from getting involved in this, but but it really has been just a um, uh, a colossal uh, failure for the university. And I don't I don't they think it's I think they think that we can just get through this semester. We'll get through it and it'll go away. I don't think it's going away.
0: Well, and meanwhile, uh, Barry Richard has a story today at WBSM.com and on the app mentioning that the University of Massachusetts is having a record impact on the Massachusetts economy. Yeah. The, UMass Dartmouth does its share by contributing $618.3 million to the state's economy. That's a press
2: release for Marty and I, I mean, that, that's what it is. I got the press release. I'm going to mention it in my column tomorrow. The, the all the everybody got it. I mean, it's they're talking about the money that people who work there Put into the economy by Mm -hmm. what they spend, but not not in terms of running a thing that employs people, not in terms of 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 doing something committed to the inner city of New Bedford. You know, where the revival of the downtown was important. That's just oh, just by our virtue of our existence. You know, we put this much money into the economy as St. Luke's Hospital puts this much money into the economy as as the fishing as, as anything that exists. The people that work there—it's not an affirmative thing, which was what Senator Montigny did 20 years ago when he said, "You're going to come to the to, to downtown New Bedford to help us revive it." So I—I I would say it's a different kind of economic development.
0: But good timing on their part to try to spin yeah, the story it's, in that way. It's
2: John Hoey, like you know, <laughs> who was you know the the PR person for UMass Dartmouth. Now he's the PR person for Mighty Me. We're all well, well acquainted with John's press releases.
0: We have a uh, phone call here, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on with Jack's plane. Hello. Good
3: morning. Good morning, Jack. Thanks for staying on this. Okay, it's a terrible thing. And what's even more terrible is that the wide spectrum of political people in this area who have say and authority couldn't even get a sit-down with the governor about this. You know, it's like Frank Centangeli and the Godfather. Hey, that uh, comes up to me, says, can of peas. They he say, where's the fathers? You know, like that. They couldn't even get a sit down with
2: her. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's a that's a really good point. Of course. Joe. Uh, uh, Santa Montigny and Mayor Mitchell have both saying how they, they've they been talking on the phone to both the lieutenant governor and the governor. And uh, even the president of the university, Marty Meehan. But they haven't actually met with them. And I have some information about that coming out in my column tomorrow, mm-hmm. but it's it's um, it is distressing that yeah. the that the delegation and the um, the mayor don't have the power they do. But I, I have, to, in their defense, I would have to say that going up against Marty Meehan, who is a former congressman from Lowell, who you know has deep political connections in this city, Whoa. and Governor Healy may be weighing. Do I offend Meehan or do I offend Montigny? Well, I think Meehan Meehan, has more power.
3: Meehan works for the the state. I don't don't understand that. You know, to me, he's going to do what he's told or he can take his big uh, pension and he can go sit and drink. uh, What's he drinking? Champagne cocktails. He can drink champagne cocktails someplace, you know, like that.
2: Well, if he was a normal university president, I would say yes. But he's kind of like Billy Belger, who was the university president before him. He's a politician, a powerful politician in his own right. More powerful than the governor? I think in some ways he is. He's been uh, around longer. I, well, that, yeah, but wait a minute. He works for the state
3: of Massachusetts. He, he, he's uh, not an entity unto himself. No, I, I, he doesn't run a
2: fiefdom, you know? I, I get it. I think this is a no-win situation for Healy, and she's looking for a way to compromise her way out of it because, although oh, it's going to be hard because she knows she needs New Bedford when she runs for re-election. Well, but, I
3: don't know if she's going to get New Bedford either way. You know, yeah. it won't get my vote, which means mm-hmm. nothing, but... Uh, You know, this is uh, just a snub to the whole uh, delegation, and a a lot of times the delegation doesn't see things eye to eye. And uh, like I think Michael Roderick has said, they just don't want to be here. And again, uh, to me, UMass South Coast should be told you're down there to help the people of the South Coast. Uh, primarily, you know. That's why you yeah. were put there originally, yeah. and it means for her to step in and act like the godmother yeah. and say, uh, this is what's going to
2: happen, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, Another aspect of this is the division between Fall River and New Bedford. The chairman of the uh, board of trustees of the UMass system is Steve Karam, and his father, Bob Karam, was chair before him, and his uncle, Jim Karam, was uh, chairman before him. That just shows you the nepotism that is running our state well, university Cameron's system.
3: we're a very powerful family. Yeah, and, the and they have place. backed
2: they have backed me in on this. Well, and so that that you would think that Fall River would have some loyalty to New Bedford, but the governor would notice that too. That the two cities are divided. I I I think that this is um, this is not uh, a good moment for New Bedford and Fall River, and it is not a good moment. For the university system of Massachusetts to, to, to 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 so dismissively dismiss the 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 politicians and the people of the city next to where they're located. Well,
3: again, it's a small thing. I know that I, I've heard, and maybe you can correct me because you this stuff more than I am. That we are getting five million dollars to redo the Octopus again. I think, you know, downtown. Well, yeah, we're, we're getting... so it just looks like that's what they're giving you, and they're also doing something I think with Leonard's Wolf. So maybe that's her. Um, well, you're not going to get this, but we'll give you that.
2: Yeah, you know. every every area of the state gets things for their roadways to be repaired. That's nothing special, yeah. you know. I mean, the 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 uh, Leonard's Wharf is the, is one of the prime piers for the fishing industry in New Bedford. It has to be redone. That is the economic engine for this region. The, the state would be mad not to do that. Like, well,
3: know. again, from what I'm seeing, um, just viewing this as just a citizen. Uh, n- nothing really has to be done for down here. When you have most of your major politicians, I would say practically all except for one or something like that, say, hey, we need this downtown, we want this downtown. And you have an obligation, I think, to the students to provide them with the proper education that they uh, uh, contracted for. Uh, are the students uh, <clears throat> getting a lawyer and trying to
2: sue the, the, uh, the state? I've heard they're looking for a lawyer. Um, You know, i got to tell you, these kids, they're they're, they're just so inspiring. You know, they don't have studios. They're they're trying to make their way through the semester without studios. And that's a big thing when you're a creative person. They're not in the the kind of thing where tests or research is going to be their thing. It's their creations that is going to be their things. And they're trying to do all this. Some of them have gone up to Hatch Street. Some of them are working in their homes. Some of them are, are, are trying to work with the undergraduates on campus. And it really... These kids, I hope they get a lawyer. They, 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 they've they said to me, do you know one? I, I've put out some words to a couple of people, but, but, you know, it's they're but, kids. They, they're well, kids. the lawyers might, want, not,
3: might not want to touch it, too, because they'd put themselves on the out with the state, you know, that sort of stuff if they took it, yeah. you know, unless there was somebody that was
2: really... You know, yeah, and let's face this, like, it, it's going to have to be pro bono, at least, at first. Yeah, because, oh, absolutely.
3: Yeah. There's no question about it. But, so you know, sometimes there are some things that are just wrong. There's no gray area. And here, what's happened to New Bedford uh, with the star store and what was supposed to happen down there. You know, it, it's just wrong. It's not, it's not a gray area as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, um, you know, I, 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 to me, uh, you know, you, you couldn't get a sit day like Frankie Pintangeli and the Godfather. What well, do you mean? You can't sit, get a sit down with Michael, you know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> the guy comes up to me and says, canopies, canopies. Hey, you know, where's the father's in the cotton spit, you know, like that. You can't get anything, you know? So, uh, I know she's uh, really lost you know, well let's face it. Uh, you know, to me, she's running for national office. She wants to be the next Elizabeth Warren. You know, I, I think that's what she's doing, you know, because uh, she's out of town, yeah. you don't know she's yeah, out of
2: town. I, I, I don't see her that way because Elizabeth Warren, whatever you want to say about her, she has identified with very progressive positions. You kinda know where she stands. I'm not I don't really know where Mar Healy stands. No, on a I don't whole know where
3: she stands either, but again all this travel and everything and Elizabeth Warren uh, I think you know she might want to get out of there at some time. She's getting up there in age, I think, and and Mara is a bit, a bit younger, uh, you know. So uh, I, I think she's trying to give herself a national, uh, you know, a national look, especially going down to the uh, border. With there when she was attorney general, what's an attorney general doing down there at the border? Come on, well, that
0: I'm, sort of stuff. We'll keep an eye on that because right, that could Take be care. the case. Thanks for the in- information. Have a good day. Okay. And uh, we do have to take a break here. Uh, We'll be back in just a few moments. We'll be turning on the light with Jack Spillane, 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We were talking about the Star Store. And uh, you can read all the coverage at newbedfordlight.org, including Colin's story about the just pulled out of thin air, made up numbers about what repairs were needed. Uh, Jack, I got to ask you, though. Since I've already, you know, taken taking your Thursday morning and your your Friday morning away, what are you doing Tuesday the twenty first from five to eight p.m.?
2: I heard a rumor that this local radio station is going to have a, a, a get together for all the uh, loyal fans and listeners to meet uh, the the uh, hosts up 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 front and close and personal, and um, I'm there.
0: All right, I was going to say you're <laughs> you're welcome to come and join us at Knuckleheads uh, on the twenty first. Should be a lot of fun, I think. Um, first of all, Knuckleheads is such a great place yeah. and they're so accommodating. Thank you to them for making this happen. But I, I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned it because in case I forget before the end of the hour here, later on today at 3 PM, we're going to have a special seize the deal that goes on sale for Knuckleheads. It's going to be $50 for just 25 bucks. So if you go to the seizethedeal.com at 3 PM, go there a little bit before so that you can make sure you get in there in time. And then at 3 PM, it's going to go live. You can get $50 to Knuckleheads for just 25 bucks, And I'm not promising you that if you buy it today, it'll come in time for next Tuesday. But usually these Seize the Deals come pretty quickly. So uh, it may just... And uh, you may be able to use it. But if not, you can go there, you can sample, you can try some things. Uh, we will have the cash bar open and we will have, they'll be able to sell you food. You you know, everything, it's everything is, uh, you got to pay for it. We're not supplying anything. We're just supplying the space for everybody to get together. I'm trying to make this not a station event so it doesn't feel like a uh. station promotional thing. I want it to be very organic and very much like all the listeners kind of just hanging out. So um, you can buy food or drink while you're there, but... Uh, you can see what they have on the menu and then come, come back with your Seize the Deal. The word is out. I had somebody ask me if I was going this weekend. Really? Well, good. I hope that uh, hope we have a huge turnout for that. And uh, I was debating whether or not we have everybody wear little name tags <laughs> so that people would know which caller they are. But I, I think it might actually be more fun to try to guess based on people's voices. Yeah, right?
2: yeah. Usually when I meet people that have never met me just for my writing, they'll say, you're Jack Spillane,
0: I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> I was I was saying the, uh, I was saying earlier that uh, I was at the Grand Tasting they had over at Stevie's Wine and Spirits on Saturday and people were coming up to me saying, oh, you're Tim? Oh, I listen all the time. And I was like, well, what does it say that my audience is all at a free booze tasting on a Saturday afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you all. Thanks for coming out to that. And uh, thanks for, for putting up with me as I was uh, sampling different drinks and... You know, acting like I knew what I was talking about. Oh, this is uh, I can detect the notes of the, uh, like, uh, I'm, I'm getting better at it, though. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can tell, with wine, I can tell,
2: like, uh, a two-buck chuck from, from a, a $20 bottle, but I could not tell a $20 bottle from a $100 bottle to not save me. my life.
0: Not me. It all tastes the same to me when it comes to wine. All right. Well, we are going to be going into the newsroom with Ariel when we come back on the other side. More with Jack. We're going to talk about last week's election and a whole bunch more at 508-996-0500. But right now, let's get all the headlines of the day with Ariel Dorsey.
1: Former President Donald Trump's attorneys will start the defense today in Trump's New York civil fraud trial. Donald Trump Jr. will be the first defense witness. He previously testified that he relied on work from accountants when signing documents certifying the Trump Organization financial statements were accurate. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages held by the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu didn't go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott is suspending his presidential campaign. Scott made the announcement in an interview with Fox News on Sunday. He said he loves America more than he did when he first started running, but came to realize that now was not his time. The work week is starting off with a traffic nightmare in Southern California. A major freeway is closed in downtown Los Angeles, and it could stay that way for a while. A pallet fire broke out underneath an Interstate 10 overpass Saturday triggering a state of emergency. A top California Department of Transportation official says repairs will pose a significant challenge for engineers. Moody's Investors Service is cutting its outlook on the country's credit rating to negative down from stable. The change was made Friday, citing high interest rates and doubts about the government being able to implement effective fiscal policy. It's a rough start at the box office for the Marvels, the Disney movie that brings back Captain Marvel made an estimated $47 million in its premiere weekend, the worst opening in MCU history. Inside Out 2 is already breaking records. Over the weekend, Disney announced the newly released preview has made history as their biggest animated trailer launch. The sneak peek at Inside Out 2 got 157 million views in just 24 hours, breaking the previous record held by the trailer for Frozen 2. The preview shows joy, sadness, disgust, fear, and anger meeting a new emotion and anxiety. Amy Poehler, Phyllis Smith, Louis Black, and Diane Lane will reprise their roles from the first movie. Inside Out 2 will hit theaters on June 14th. In sports, the Celtics will be looking to extend their winning streak to three games when they host the New York Knicks tonight at TD Garden. Boston came away with a victory in the first matchup, and tonight's battle is the second of four meetings between the Celtics and Knicks during the regular season. And things have gone from bad to worse after the Patriots fell 10 to 6 to the Indianapolis Colts in Germany. Mac Jones completed 15 of his 20 pass attempts for 170 yards, but threw a key interception late in the fourth quarter. Bailey Zappi took the field for the final drive which also ended in an interception. New England is now last in the AFC East at 2-8, and and the Pats will get this week off before returning to action when they visit the New York Giants. And the Bruins are hoping to bounce back from an overtime loss north of the border. After falling to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday, Boston is visiting the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow night. It will be the first of three meetings between the Bruins and the Sabres during the regular season. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Good to be with you, everybody, on this Monday morning under mostly clear skies. Temperatures around 30. Steady
3: increase in cloud cover for this afternoon. Temperatures will be in the mid-40s. Spotty showers, slight chance overnight tonight. And then tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with partial sunshine. Temperatures flirting with 50. Next few days, a warming trend as of mid to late week. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist
1: Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app.
0: Get breaking news alerts. Stream audio. Send us text messages and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light, 508-996-0500. Or you can send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Uh, So I got to ask you, Jack, the election last Tuesday, the incumbents in the at-large race all make it back in. Were you surprised by that, or did you kind of expect that that would be the way that it would shake out? I was a
2: little surprised. I, I thought that um, uh, Naomi Connie, based on the preliminary election, might fall off. Uh, she was only, if I remember correctly, it was, it was 41 votes ahead of um, Scott Lima uh, in the final. I have to say that um, after that preliminary, you saw Naomi signs everywhere. She, she, she did some radio advertising. She, she seemed to really put it into high gear. Councilor Morad, the same thing. Um, you know, I, it was interesting that they finished with the exact same number of votes, although more and more came from Ward 1 and Connie's from Ward 5. Um, I think, uh, you know, that, that this election, they did have the fourth and fifth positions. So these controversial people in the last term, they did go down. But there are people who like them. There are people who, you know, I mean, it's sort of like people who like Donald Trump. I mean, I don't, I don't really get it. Myself, I, I get it in that it's people who are just frustrated with the system, but I don't think it's, I'm, I'm talking about Trump now, yeah. I don't think it's a good governance to have someone like that in. Um, so th- they did enough that they were, you know, it, it remains, I said so on my column, an uphill battle for any challenger, even good challengers, to um, really come in and take one of those at large seat. The, the one person that I've seen come from outside and just... Take the um, council by storm was Debbie Coolo. She went from nowhere. She, she had been a neighborhood activist, so she was very well known. And she finished third in her first try. But I, you know, and Shane finished fifth. And Naomi, I think, um, got on uh, that time that John Saunders um, dared people not to vote for him. But but you really don't see people break that top five first because the, the on the at-large ballot by state law the incumbents have to come first and the individual city or town can opt out of that law. But of course, New Bedford never has because the council would have to pass off on it when you ask for the home rule petition. So uh, given that, that, that has never happened. Um, and there's also an advantage to, to, for alphabetically, you know, people, um, Ian Abel I think would have finished first anyway. I mean, he's, he's fairly popular, but, um, he has an advantage. Shane Burgo has an advantage. Uh, I think both of them are very popular anyway. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that it just shows you how hard it is. Um, Leo Chiquette, the one challenger who won, had to run four times. Um, and he, this is his fourth effort, twice for at large and, and twice for Ward 1. He finally got on. And I always say to people, I said to Devin Burns afterwards, don't get discouraged. You know, a lot of people liked your candidacy. It's a big lift to get there. Um, I think sometimes people do get discouraged. Um, uh, Paul Chase was another quality candidate, I thought, that that um, didn't quite get there, and he, and he seems to have given up now. Um, uh, so that's that's what happens. Candidates that run over and over again win. I, I, I thought Scott Lima did not run as muscular a campaign as I had hoped. I had talked to him. He said that he, he did a lot of door-to-door in Ward 1 and the tip of Ward 6 on the peninsula Um he did some in what for at the end, I think. Um, but I, I don't think he had a lot of money. The mayor was supposedly helping him, but but I, I don't know what it was more than just like um, you can use my name uh, or something. I don't you know know that it was, uh, well, I don't know how he would lend him money, but... but, but right. And there know, was no
0: formal endorsement or anything no like that. No formal
2: endorsement or anything like that. I mean, behind the scenes, you heard things like um, Linda Morad was helping Marky in that uh, Ian Aver was helping Chiquette you know, I, I, Again I think it's sort of informal There was no endorsement In, in any of those cases um, So I, I think we got what we normally get For all this effort In talk of throw the incumbents out They did go down Because remember um, Morat has finished first Sometimes in the past And Gomes who's also finished first Brian Gomes went down to third He didn't take quite as big a hit as Morad and Connie, um, although Connie was, was finishing fourth or fifth to begin with, but I, I think that there was a negative vote against them because they were just barely getting back on. But it, it, it they, they did rally and and
0: and and, and the people that,
2: that liked them
0: came out. So we know that there is a you know, citizen effort for term limits, for a charter review, for all of that. Would it be smarter, do you think, if citizens tried to get New Bedford to opt out of that? The incumbents have to be alphabetical as a first step to try to invoke some change on the council. Uh, maybe um, that 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 is um, a charter reform
2: of of it. I mean, it's one type it's, of it's, charter. Yeah, before, it's part of it's a uh, it's itself. It's not a broad. Let's open up the whole charter, which and is it good.
0: wouldn't take a, a home rule petition wouldn't take as long as the charter review would. Yes,
2: and, and open up the whole charter. Um, people have some reservations about that. I think we should do it. But I do have some reservations because, you know, it's like reopening a constitutional convention. You know, all kinds of good things and bad things can happen. So uh, I think it's a bigger lift to do a charter reform than it is to do just let's let's take make get those names and not make them. To my mind, you should just put all the names in a in a hat and uh, or some electronic random thing and let them come out that way. But I just don't think you'll ever see the incumbent councillors. Vote, vote for that. So I, I, it, it would have to come purely by collecting signatures to um, get it on, and 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 we saw that that was not that's not an easy lift um, uh, either. We saw this year. So you know, I, I think I, I don't think people should be discouraged that that um, it didn't have an effect. The anti-incumbent effort. Um, I don't think people should be discouraged who held their seats that that that, that, that they did get a show of support, you know, because there are issues. The mayor's um, numbers went down from like 75% to 63%, I think, against the same candidate. Now, there wasn't the coverage of Tyson Moultrie that there was four years ago where some of the inconsistencies in his claims that he made about his record really didn't get the spotlight that they got four years ago. So, But the mayor, you know, I've always said that that Mayor Mitchell would have been vulnerable to a... um, a serious challenge if he um had one this year but he didn't get that in the end um you know uh, one of the, the sad things is the lack of interest in running for office in new bedford not only against the mayor but we had four ward races that were uncontested you know and i again i think that connects to the ability of the councilors to do favors and it's not just the city councilors state reps, Congress people have that ability to do favors through constituent services. So it, it is a hard lift. Every, what's the cliche? Nobody likes Congress, but everybody likes their congressman. Nobody likes their city council, but everybody likes their individual city councilor that they know or, or has done a favor for them. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's a and it's, it's, it's kind of a, what you get.
0: I, I think some of that, you know, the, the fact that uh, Mayor Mitchell's vote went down, I think part of that is just, you know, John Mitchell fatigue. That there were just people that were like, well, he's been there long enough. Like, mm, I'm going to give this other guy a vote. And there might have been some people that said, yeah, he's going to win. So I'm going to vote for this other guy yeah. just because, you know, I, I want to give him. I think
2: that there was a lot of John Mitchell fatigue, a lot of Brian Gomes fatigue. A lot of Linda Morad fatigue. Those three in the city have been in a long time. And yet there are enough people and there are few enough people participating in the vote. You know, when when we say there's a lot of fatigue, that's true. But we don't say there's a lot of people supporting them. all, All three of those people, too. So, you know,
0: that's what it is. Well, it'll be interesting to certainly watch what happens again in, in two years for the council and four years for the mayor. Uh, but for now, you know, we'll have a we'll have a mostly the same council coming up in January. We'll have a few changes. But yeah, I think um, Leo Shaquette
2: is more likely to be on the side of people who challenge um, and challenge the. Um, uh, the council has to be one body. We have to be all united. And, and, and whatever we do, even if we don't agree with each other, we have to act like we do so that we're one body against the, the mayor. I think that's kind of, to me, more Ed's approach. I think um, someone like Ian Abu, Joe Lopes, when he was on the council, now he's coming back. Um, they were more like, eh, I may not like everything the mayor does, but I I, I, I figure we got to work together because the, the, the city can't be in gridlock like we, we see in Congress all the time. So those will be the two factions. I think um, I think Joe Lopes is a, is a strong personality. You'll hear from him on this council. And I think Leo Chiquette is a, a smart guy. You'll hear from him, too.
0: And I think that that might open up some other counselors to find their voice against that need to be one one body. Yeah, There
2: have been some counselors that really haven't found their voice against the old-term counselors. They are very loath to... Um, to speak up against them. And I think that some of those councillors have been on the council for a while now. You know, I, w- I would hope to hear a little bit more from Maria Giesta, from Derek Baptiste, from uh, Ryan Pereira. Ryan Pereira speaks up a lot and Maria does to a certain extent. But I hope they'll, they'll be a little bit more independent there. There seems to be this rule, which is sort of like the standard: thou shalt not criticize a fellow counsellor. And I get that. I, I, I get that, that if they're at each other's throats all the time, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for, for um, uh, the governance of the city. But if they're at the mayor's throat all the time, it doesn't bode well for the, for the governance of the city. So I, I think that you know people just – I don't think we can go through another two years like we just went through with the, um, the ballot initiatives and the pay raises. I, I think that, that that would just be really devastating for people's faith in, in the city council.
0: All right, well, we are going to take our next break here. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. So we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And Jack, one story that didn't really get a lot of play around here, but the light has been all over it, is the Blue Harvest vessels and and licenses. The Canastras came in and were able to to take all of that up. And quietly here, Cassie Canastra has become a major player in, in the New Bedford waterfront.
2: Yes, she has, and, and um, the Canastra family have been big players for a long time, mm-hmm. and I've, I thought that was one of those stories that was underplayed uh, in the significance, uh, both for the Canastra family and also for the city of New Bedford, because keeping those boats and those permits in New Bedford was really what it's all about. You may remember that the Canastra family tried to buy collars, summer collars, Raphael's Scarlet boats originally, and I think it was Noah that stepped in and said, you can't, um, it needs to be someone else. Uh, They had some sort of relationships, you know, I don't know whether, at the seafood auction. I know his boat's probably unloaded there. Um, And the Quinn brothers came in, and then there was a civil lawsuit between the Quinn brothers who got those Carlos boats and the Canastras. And I think the Canastras tried to sue them that that, that they shouldn't have gotten the boats, that they were the first bidder, and they should have gotten them. Uh, In any event, um, I think this is good for the city, you know, uh, I haven't always agreed with everything, you know, uh, uh, with the Canastras, but I, I, I think that I don't know who else would have the wherewithal um, to, to do it and also the interest in doing it. There are a few of the other old, you know, big New Bedford, uh, you know, companies, but, but they don't seem to be interested. So um, no one wants another Blue Harvest with the internationalization of the waterfront
0: that went on under them. So you got to keep it local, you got to keep it in the, you know, the next generation of a family that has long been associated with the industry in New Bedford, mm-hmm. and also, you know, and, and a woman in a in a major position too. Yeah. So I think that this is this really bodes well for keeping things local, as you said, but also keeping things kind of moving forward and progressing into, I, well, I mean, we're already in the 21st century, but keeping it in a 21st century mindset. Yep. Cassie Canastra, a
2: former Standard Times Woman of the Year. Person of the Year. Um, uh, yeah, she's a, a player to watch for uh, in the future of New Bedford.
0: So 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. Let's get the last break out of the way. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we are wrapping up our time turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Jack, what are you working on this week? So I have a column coming out tomorrow um, uh, uh, which is uh, some of my own
2: reporting and some of the uh, commentary on the reporting that Colin Hogan did on the um, the numbers that have come out if you messed up with... Uh, about the cost of the star store, and and it it basically is very hard to to believe that they have much credibility on on, the, on those numbers at at this point.
0: Well, we look forward to that. We look forward to you being here Thursday and Friday morning. I look forward to it, and uh, and hosting the program, and also getting to hang out Tuesday at Knuckleheads. That's right. Have you right. Have, have you eaten at Knuckleheads before? I have.
2: I have. The, I've been everything I've been, there is so good. I was the guest of um, one of the union. Uh, Believe it or not, in New Bedford, uh, uh, was it the unions or, or a friend of the unions uh, a long time ago?
0: Well, the Knucklehead Seize the Deal goes on sale in just about a minute at SeizeTheDeal.com. If you go there, you can get $50 to Knuckleheads in New Bedford. I'm sorry. It's going on sale at 3 p.m. I'm so used to the deals going on sale at 9 a.m. It's going on sale at 3 p.m. today. So you've got plenty of time to get ready for it because uh, Gazelle's going to be down there doing a live thing for Fun 107. So that's why it's at 3 p.m. So, yeah, 3 p.m. today, you can get that deal. $50 at Knuckleheads for just 25 bucks, and uh, you should be able to get it in time to use it on Tuesday. If not, that's okay. Everything's such a great deal down there anyway, and uh, you'll still be able to have a good time, have some drinks, have some food, hang out, and meet all of the callers and the hosts and everybody that'll be down there on the 21st at Knuckleheads from 5 to 8. But that's going to do it for us for today. Stay tuned for Chris McCarthy and...